listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa. Yeah, boo. That brings us to nine minutes past the hour, one o'clock. It is uh, a Tzalerato Tuesday, and it is going to be a beautiful, beautiful day just because we're on the love couch. And uh, today on the love couch, we've got somebody very, very, very special. For me, she's a friend, but for you, she's a, an actress. She's a, a, a radio presenter, a TV presenter. She has done it all. I, I know she devils a little bit in singing as well though many people might have not might not know that but um she has been the girl just giving you a bit of a background she won the bet africa uh, show uh, acting act, top actor competition uh where she took away home uh 100 grand in prize money my friend how are you doing my financials like this that was how many years ago the money finished <laughs> i was about to ask good i didn't even get an ice cream of that man but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the midday hangout miss altovis lawrence <laughs> it is such a pleasure to have you here and i really cannot wait to unpack a lot of things but before we get into the mix of things if there was a billboard with a cash a caption or a phrase that captured the essence of who you are what would it read Ooh, um still here mm. Mm. why that i think you know when when people see you on tv TV, there's a particular perception. They know the character as opposed to the real person. And I think this goes for a lot of people who, who dabble in media, people who are even behind the scenes, um, but who truly knows the essence of the person. So when you break down, some people do it on Instagram. Other people are crying, you know, with family members. No one knows who's praying for you, how much you're being prayed for. No one knows the real, real struggle. Um, because I think it's human nature to just show the good things as opposed mm. to what's really real. Mm. So I would say it's still here, in spite of everything that people don't know of and some things that people do, I'm still here. I really love that. I really love that. And I mean, speaking to still here, it also speaks to presence because sometimes we are here, but yeah. not here, you know? So how, 100%. what do you do to get yourself to keep yourself present to the moment, especially because you are in an industry that is forever asking what's next, where to next, what can I do? You know, how do I pay this bill? This gig is about to end. So how do you then just give yourself the moment to be present through the different stages, but also take in, like live the moment? I think I am, not I think, I know I'm surrounded by people who are not my fans. The people who will tell me the truth. So they support my work. My family and friends support my work. But these are the same people that will call me out on my nonsense. The same people that can say you're wrong because of one, two, three, or Altavis, no, not that. Don't go here. You know, so I think that's, that's a big part of who I am and how I live my life. It's that I've got people who, who love what I do, who support my work. But at a moment's instance, they'll remind me that I'm not your fan. Mm, I love that choosing a circle that's going to that um is not just your fans but they fan of your work but not of you as a person you as a person they choose to love and to embrace and to see you for who you are I really like that yes. we're on the love couch so today we're going to unpack a couple of conversations and today's topic uh, for our discussion is um love through seasons when you heard that 
What came to mind first for you? Me aging. Me mm. aging. Um, love at, for example, when you were born and you're yes. showered with love. And at suddenly when you're in primary school, now you start noticing, you know, boys or girls and you start feeling certain things. High school, when, okay, this is what relationships are, be it friendship or romantically. And then you go, you know, tertiary life or into the working world as an adult. And how do I love? And how do I receive love? What's my idea of love? Because we don't love the same way. And I think reaching milestones, like after the first heartbreak, does it change the way you love? Does it change the way you love yourself? How you give it and receive it? And I think also like turning 50 as an example now, like, wow, um, am I proud of how I've loved? Am I proud of how I'm loving? Is there anything I'd like to change about love? And I think just the broad concept of what is love, be it mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just holistically, what is love and how do you live it? I love that, how, what is love? And maybe we'll get, we'll return back to that question of what have you um, come to understand love to be. But let's rewind a little bit, um, starting with family. Where did you grow up? Mm. And how was your childhood? And how do you think, what do you think that, that effect and that surrounding birthed, what ideology do you think it, um, it, it created in terms of your perception Ooh. of love? Oh, so I am from Reichopark. All I've known is Reichopark. Uh, so that's the east of Boxburg. Um, yeah, Boxburg is Boxburg, man. Uh, it's <laughs> Rulen. So yes. that's where I'm from. <laughs> um, and I think what, what shaped my idea of love, I guess, in terms of me growing up is discipline. Mm. My father's a teacher. My mother works, worked in the financial sector. And I think discipline, at its core, it's discipline. But along with discipline is freedom. As much as I knew I had a curfew and I had to adhere to it and there'd be consequences, there'd also be hard talks. You know, what do you want to be? If you want to be this, then one, two, three needs to work out. No, you can't be partying. But at the same time, it's, me at the age of five, singing in taxis, performing in taxis, not because, you know, but just sing if you mm. want to sing and dance if you want to dance and never being held back, you know, mm. just that encouragement also of open the circle, stay in the circle. You can even close the circle, my child. But mm. there is also discipline when it comes to things outside of entertainment and outside of having fun and outside of being a child. But I think at its core, it was being given the freedom mm. of expression but also when there needs to be discipline and, eat, and it needing to be reined in, there was that also. So the balance. I like that idea of balance. And do you think that, I mean, fast forwarding to now, that same freedom is still relevant to you? Is, does it still resonate with where you are or has that idea of what, even what freedom is shifted for you? Oh, the idea of freedom has definitely, shifted because when you're a child you're shielded you have no concept of what it is to be an adult mm. because someone will tell you what you need to be responsible for there's someone responsible for me um and it's just th that reckless abandon where you can play and laugh and cry you know but now it's you have to be responsible for yourself mm. so i think the idea of freedom has changed and i i'm not speaking for all adults and i think you can even relate to this when i say that adults are now in pursuit of childlike freedom True. you miss being a child you miss not paying bills Yay. okay you miss <laughs> just your outfit not matching you wake up it's conflicts or whatever you're eating but i'm just like someone else is taking care of me 
Mm. And I think that's what we are yearning for now again. Like they say, adulthood is the ghetto, mm. you know, um, <laughs> and you just want to be a child again where you can only stress about playtime <laughs> and, you know, seeing your friends. But now it's freedom is different because freedom means you being responsible for yourself and mm. having to call yourself out and having to check yourself. Mm. Freedom is having to check yourself as well as an adult. Let's go mm. into um, your career. I mean, you are a mm. performance artist. You studied um, the arts. How do you, first mm. and foremost, when you're having this conversation of what you want to do in high school, when you're getting into high school, mm. how soon do you discover that actually I want to be a performer for the rest of my life? And then when you're having this conversation with your family and your parents, how was it to say that this is what I'm going to study? Because I do know that you started mm -hmm. studying, you started um, with um, accounting or law, ne? Engineering. Engineering, yeah. So let's have those conversations. When, you were, when did you discover that you wanted to be a performer first and foremost? I think I've always been a performer at heart. I know mm. it sounds cliche when people say, since I was born, but I'm not going to say since I was born because I have no concept <laughs> of what it was. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Why do people do that? <laughs> um, but since a very young age, since, you know, when people even relay stories back to you and tell you at four, for example, my father coming back to my mother saying, he'll never take me to town again in the taxi because people think, uh, for example, like my father's making me perform for money. Because now you're there shopping at ShopRite. Here I am standing in the aisles performing and people are just giving me two rands and five rands. In the taxi, the same thing, you know? <laughs> so I think it's always been innate that I love performance, but I didn't know that I could actually study it. And I mm. think I loved it enough to sacrifice what people would call security mm. um, above all else uh, for what I love. And the conversation was pretty tough. Um, I've, it took a while for my father to come around also um, because in, in high school, my subjects were computers, um, computer sciences, what's that thing, physical science yes. and engineering, graphics and design. So when it came time to choose subjects, that's where the discipline came in and said, yo, I know you love to act. I know you love to be on stage, but for security purposes, I don't want you as my child to mm. not have an income, to feel destitute. So I'm encouraging you to take this route. And I did it, you know, because at its core, you don't think that your parents would lead you astray. And I still don't think that my father and mother were doing that. So I pursued it for a year. And also you're there, you're like, I'm capable because I wouldn't be in this degree if I wasn't capable. And then when it comes to exams, I'm like, I failed calculus. Do I understand it? Yes, I do understand it. But because I didn't care for it, yes. I didn't take time to study. Yes. You know what I'm trying to say? Because people are just like, no, you're dumb. No, so many people, if people knew, like, you even know it at this mm. how many people were like now i was supposed to be a doctor no i dropped mm. out of law at this thing no i dropped out of engineering so people who study the arts are not dumb mm. i actually think we're one of the smartest people in the world because we require an emotional intelligence because when it comes to subjects where for example there's a formula one plus one will always equal two but when it comes to the arts there's there's emotion yeah. there's drawing from memory how do you calculate to quantify that you know mm. um so the conversation was tough, but I think when my parents saw how much I loved it mm. and saying that no matter what, it must work out because mm. you get asked questions, what's plan B? There is no plan B. This is the plan mm. and it will work out. It might change its form. Like in, in two years time, I might not even be in front of the screens. I might be behind mm. the screens, but this is the only plan. There is no fallback. There's no plan B. This is it. I love that. And I mean, we get, we're speaking today about love through seasons. And in your career, there's, 
starting out, I mean, well, your bio says that you started out in 2014 with the Colored Museum um, of professionally, mm. but I mean, we had mm. seen you already do beautiful play and beautiful work already on stage prior to that. And what do you think has shifted in terms of what you now define as love in terms of, in regards to your career from the girl who was there first year getting into the stage and just being introduced to that world to the girl that Ooh. is now, you know, has done so much in terms of presenting of the girl that you are now, who's an all rounder, who's put her fingers in every part of the pie. What do you think mm. she has shifted? I think where I am now, love is the teacher. Mm. When you are love, love will teach you. You don't teach it. It teaches you. And mm. this is loving a friend and then suddenly there's a friendship breakup and how you deal with that, mm. you know? And loving a particular partner and there being some sort of disagreement, love will govern that. Do I scream at my partner? Mm. Do I, what has love taught me with this person and how do I act in it? And I think the, the older I'm getting, love is theater. Mm. Love is actually performance. There's no fourth wall. There, there is no, there's multiple redos. You know, it's a, it's a constant rehearsal. It's a constant live performance. Because there are certain things that you can say in the moment or in the heat of love or even anger that you can never ever take back. Mm. So I'm viewing love as theater. You've broken the fourth wall. Sometimes there's an audience, sometimes there isn't. But when you're on that stage, you can't take back what you've said. Mm, and it's raw what you've done it's raw it's, it's real time it's, it's vulnerable yeah. yeah yeah it's rehearsal it's you, you you've sweated you, you mm. hate it you forget your lines one day the next day there's a stellar performance mm. but the show 100 percent has to go on so in it, it love will teach you but love is theater and not performance in the fake sense yes. because you know as as actor you're trying to portray truth so mm. for me it's that there is no fourth wall this is not tv there's no redo it's now. It's happening. Zero six seven one five three one zero eight nine. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to the Love Couch right here on Hope Alive Radio. We are with Altovis Lawrence, uh, actress, TV presenter, radio presenter. Um, should we be adding other things there? Mm, like what producer, what director? <laughs> yes, I receive. Yes, yes. So, um, you know, you touched a little bit on friends, um. In, in as you are responding now to what you've known love to be, and you say love is a theater, love is is this performance, love is a teacher. But you also touched on friends, and I want to know mm -hmm. on your journey, especially on the love couch. We're always speaking about love, and we're gonna get into the romantic sense of love. But I've I've always said that the greatest um you know relationship and investment that one can make is in a friendship because that mm. kind of a friend that the kind of relationship it's a it's a family that you choose. But sometimes mm, those mm. families that you choose, when you're changing with your seasons, you're starting out as a student, now you are a bit more famous, sometimes they don't know how to relate to the new you. How have you navigated mm. those streets? I've lost a lot. Like, mm. you know, you're like, you've lost people that you are sure. Mm. This one is a bridesmaid. This one <laughs> will be planning a baby shower. This one, you, you know, made mm. of honor. Um, but I think also my thought has changed. And even before going there, there are friendships that I don't have anymore where, wow, I was 100% the problem. Mm. And I can take responsibility for the mess that I played because I realized, oh my goodness, 
if if my friend receives love or understands something in a particular way, but I'm not communicating in their language, we're gonna miss one another. Mm. So here I am saying, no, friend, but but remember, every time you needed me, I sent you money, you know, or whatever the mm. case may be. And that friend's like, yeah, but when I try to have a conversation, you can't throw money at conversation. You can't throw, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Using mm. money as an example now, mm. um, that I wasn't there for the friend in the way that they understood it, and 100% take responsibility for that, and. I think that's, in terms of love, it's also, if the friend decides they don't want to be friends with you anymore, I can't force you. Mm. And it's heartbreak. You know, that's, a, I think friendship breakups are worse than relationship breakups. For Gee. me, every time I've experienced a friendship breakup, it, it feels worse than losing a, 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 a boyfriend or whatever lover mm. you have, you know, because they're the, I don't know, they're all around love. Mm. Fine, it's outside of like sexual relations, but I'm just like, there's a particular intimacy mm. that you mm. have in friendships mm. that you probably don't have when it comes to your romantic partner. Mm. But I think what I'm struggling with now is that when I'm not okay, I disappear. Mm. And I can't expect the people who, who check up on me to be at the same place when I was in my downer, still be there when I get back. Mm. you know so so now i don't know it's it's questioning do i deserve friends mm. i feel like i'm abusing them but also i'm not in the correct space to even be a person right now will they get sick of understanding you know and so i am now sitting with there are people who do love me but i'm trying to make adult friendships and mm. i don't know where to start how to start do i go and say hi i like your hair I like your vibe. Do you want to be my friend? Because I'm like, you need to share these people now. We share everybody now that we want in our lives. <laughs> so I think that's where I am now, trying to make adult friendships, but not knowing where to start because I'm just like, is it unfair to invite someone into my world and into my space when I am not at my best? Mm. So do I need to be a friend to myself first? Because now you're having different conversations with yourself at a particular age and with different experience. So mm. Altavis needs to be Altavis's friend first before I can make any other new friendships. We're going to go to Beyonce, Brown Skin Girls. Uh, when we come back, we're going to unpack alopecia, your journey, Ooh. and how that... What conversation did that bring about, especially when you're getting into seasons of love? Because when you're romantically uh, falling in love, it's all about impressing. But when your world oh. internally is changing and yet outside you have to show up and impress and you still have to have that conversation with yourself, how do you bring yourself to love the next when you are still understanding your process. That's what we want to unpack next. Oh. 067-153-1089. It is the Love Couch. Here's Beyonce, Brown Skin Girl. You could trade eyes with me Because there's complexities in complexion But your skin is glow like diamonds Dig me like the earth you be giving birth To everything alive, baby, know your worth I love everything about you from your nappy curls To every single curve, body natural Same skin that was broken, me the same skin taking over Most things are the focus, few But when you're in the room, they know
shines and it tells your story. Keep dancing, they can't control you. They watch and they all adore you. If ever you are in doubt, remember what mama told you. Brown skin girls, just skin just like pearls. You're back against the world. This is Hope Alive Radio. Shaping minds for a better future. It is 29 minutes towards the top of the hour. That was Beyonce Brown Skin Girl. And you are listening to the Midday Hangout. We are on the Love Couch. It is the Tzalerato Tuesday. And today, I've got one of my favorite human beings. I really, really, really love this lady. Her name is Alto Vis Lawrence. She's a friend of mine. She's an actress. She's a, a, a presenter on TV. You might have seen her on the Final Cut show with the hair. And also, she's done um, a lot of other work. Also, was on YFM. So, but today she's here with us in her glory. Mm. <laughs> Alto. Yes, baby. <laughs> you know what? We were speaking. I mean, <laughs> first and foremost, you've got such, when you sent us the pictures for um, the, um, the poster, you know, the comments oh, oh. that we were having with the, the, the conversation was just like how beautiful you just look and your hair, everything. You just, you are the girl. So, uh, oh, thank you. You are the girl, my friend. You are the girl without a doubt. <laughs> How do you, I mean, I threw out a big word before we went uh, to the song. And this song, uh, Brown Skin Girl, celebrates Brown Skin Girl in all their shades, in all their mm. colors, in all their strength, in all their power. So, mm. for you, as a brown skin girl, what is it? How have you found and defined beauty for yourself? And also, this is now navigating alopecia. First and foremost, maybe we should mm. start with what is even alopecia for those that might not um, know about it. Mm, it's uh, um, you. Know, I, I hate calling it a disease, even. Mm. But basically, my immune system is attacking itself. Um, and there's different types of alopecia. So you've got alopecia areata, alopecia universalis, just to name a few. And that is also like the degree of hair that you lose, you know, where uh, alopecia universalis, as an example, is you've got no hair anywhere, you know. Mm. And I've got alopecia areata, so I've got patches, um, but mine affects my face, everything on my face, from eyelashes, eyebrows, to my scalp, as an example. Mm. Whereas other people, there are other areas where they don't have hair, you know. Mm. And I think it rocked me, but I was at peace once I knew what it was. Because I just thought, hey, I'm stressing too much. Ning, ning, they're going to tell you, it's the hair food you use. Oh, stop relaxing. Oh, the, the braiding. You know, th- there were so many things before we even knew. And I'm just like, no, man. But I've been natural for like 10 years, if not more. So there's no harsh products on my hair, but I'm still losing this hair. And then they'll tell you maybe overstressed. So you try to stop stressing. Mm. Up until I went to a dermatologist and got checked out and was like, no, my baby you've got alopecia. And as tragic as it was, but I can't see my world fell apart because already then I was starting to cut my hair, trying to hide my bald spots. You always see me in a sporty or, you know, a head wrap or a wig because I didn't know what was happening. But then when I knew, I'm like, okay, so now I can navigate it differently and show my hair a different type of love. Mm. And I think my body as a whole, a different type of love, what I eat, Mm. um, what I wash my hair with, the time that I take. So it has really changed my relationship with my hair. Where at first it was love-hate. Mm. And some months it's more hate. Like the past month was such a good hair. My scalp month. But I was, I'm 
but the last month in the sa- at the same time was oh, I'm starting to lose my eyelashes and my eyebrows again. Mm. And it's so funny that you and I are even talking about alopecia now because after this phone call, I'm on my way to the barber to get <laughs> faded. <laughs> because <laughs> I thought I'm just like, okay, it's a good hair month, but I just washed my hair and there's so much hair that just fell out, you know, mm. and I'm pr- feeling pretty... I'm feeling pretty heartbroken right now because I thought, man, we're getting along. Um, mm. You're growing strong and you're growing healthy. But I just came from a hair wash and there's just so much chunks. It was just chunks that just fell out in the bath right now. Mm. So I'm back to going to cut my hair again to see how I can close up a patch or something. But yeah, let's funny re- that we're talking about evil. Let's rewind to the day where the dermatologist finally says, this is what it is. And now you know that mm. this is not because it's one thing to say my hair is falling off or whatever. But you know what? I'm gonna try this because everybody's gonna give you a recipe. Drink this, eat that, mm. and you know it's yes. gonna get your hair. So you kind of know that your hair is still going to grow and it's gonna be strong, or at least you hope it's it's yeah. going to do that. But once the doctor yeah. says this is what you have, this is a condition that it is, and this is how you're going to live with it because at the moment there is no solution that we know of for it. How does that shift you as a woman, especially growing up in um, the African context where the, the woman's hair is her crown? Oh, it wasn't. Yes, we saw treatment. Mm. Um, but because I'm also so terrified of needles, like, so I'm just doing topical treatments. But just after being diagnosed, going to the dermatologist, like, okay, we're going to inject your temples. With, I don't know what it was, mm. but just to wake up your hair follicle. And I passed out there on that bed because I'm so scared of needles. So I'm just like, okay, I can't do anything that involves injections. It's not funny, so but it's I had fun. to try. <laughs> Yo, do you know how many times I passed out there by the corona line? Hey, you know what? Anyway, let's move on. Let's come back. Um, um, it was first that, like, oh, my goodness, the only way to get help is through something that I fear. And I just said no. And so they first offered me a topical treatment as an example, because I'm just like, I don't need long hair. I just need strong hair. Mm. Uh, and I think the house that I grew up in and still live in, my mother has never made hair a thing. Mm. He has never, ever defined me. And it will never define me. And I think she made it such a pressing point because of the stereotypes attached to hair. Mm. And like, and, and this is outside of like, you know, in some African uh, countries where, oh my God, Goodness, the longer the hair, the this, yes. or the bigger the body, the this. Yeah. And then you, when you look inside the colored community and how people are really about this hair thing, you know, mm. my mother has never ever made it a point for me because I don't have that type of hair. We mm. don't have the stereotypically long hair, mm. the curly hair. Here you are sitting with a sutu sometimes, <laughs> but it doesn't mean your hair's ugly, yes, <laughs> you know. Yes. So I think stems from my mother and my father mm. where it has never defined you. Mm. Just to chase time because I'm seeing that we are almost out of time, but I want to get into how then does dealing with um, alopecia work for you in relationship, in romantic spaces? Because, I mean, one would, you know, you always want to be at the best of your abilities, but as you are saying now, you're washing your hair and your hair is falling off and that kind of situation. How do you, how have you reached a space where you're comfortable enough to show that part of you or is it always still mm. a dance? 
I think I'm very much comfortable now. And when it comes to your romantic partners, that's the first thing I say. Because also, guys, we know you're wearing wigs. Like, a man can see you wearing a wig. A woman can see this is a wig. <laughs> it's not your own hair. So, so for me, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm wearing a wig. And that's the first thing. So I want to, I need to be comfortable with you as you need to be with me. Mm. So the more comfortable we get with one another, I'm going to start hanging around, uh, hanging out around you with no wig. Mm. And if I feel like you're shaming me or making me feel like, I'm less beautiful or whatever the mm. concept may be, then you're not the type of person for me mm. because my partner needs to know that we need a sporty on standby, you know, mm. in, a, in the car, there'll always be a sporty for, as an example, there'll always be a head wrap. Mm. And when I'm feeling uncomfortable, my partner will know. And like, you know what, let's, let's just go out quickly so you can feel comfortable mm. and know how to navigate it. Because I think at this stage, my partner's not scared. Mm. If anything, it's, oh man, your hair's grown in these few months. And at the, at the same time, my partner also cuts my hair for me. Mm. So I think we've developed that relationship where it's an extension of me. I can't shake it off. It's not an accessory. Mm. I can't help but have this. Mm. And you need to get with the program. And if it's not for you, then you're not for me. Let's wrap it up here with um, somebody might be listening to us and they're going through um, their own seasons, I mean, of health. And health is affecting uh-huh. how they're showing up to marry, I mean, to relationship. You know, maybe they went oh. through a cancer situation. Now the cancer is off, but the hair also went. And they are trying mm. to, they don't know how to bring themselves out to put themselves out there again because they don't see enough examples of people with bald hair and TV or people mm. that are going through their kind of a situation on a daily basis. Mm. How, what would you say to that person? Firstly, find a community that can relate. So mm. once I found out I've got alopecia, I went onto Facebook and typed in alopecia and I found so many cool groups, mm. you know, with people taking photos of their progress or if someone just got diagnosed or, you know, from babies to old men and old women just sharing stories of alopecia and, hey, I tried this medication, you should too. So I think I found solace that there's a community. I'm not alone. I'm, it's not an isolated incident. I'm not the first person that has this, but there are so many other people that can relate and that can help. Number two, therapy. Not just because you've got alopecia, but I'm strong on therapy and having someone that is a soundboard that is not you. Getting Mm. professional help for your mind because, you know, clear the clutter. Fight for yourself. I think that's where I'm right now. I'm literally fighting for my sanity. And so I have to do things like go, you know, static, like, you know, organizations. How do I do this? I need help. I'm not in a good space because... Health is wealth. And if my mind is not right, nothing will be right. Mm. But also, if you're dealing with something physically that's making you feel insecure, if your partner is not loving you through that season, then you need to love harder in yourself. But also know that I don't think that partner's for you then, especially when it's things that are beyond your control and things you don't choose for. Mm. And I think the last point would be just rock it. Like mm. before I went bald, I don't know the shape of my head. Mm. I don't know. You, you know, you're feeling just like, I don't have a nice shaped head. Mm. Well, again, I didn't choose this head. And also you're going to give the head, you're going to take this head that I'm just giving you. When you see me in the street, <laughs> if you feel like something with my head, that's your problem. But baby, this is what I'm doing, you know? Exactly. So I just think just move through it and just take your own time with yourself and be much kinder to yourself. All right. On the top, just say, give me the top of the answer that you have um, filling in the blank. Um, so Ooh. never have I blank. Ooh. Into space. If I, Denzel. <laughs> if I woke up and blank was not around, life for me would have no meaning. My mother. My parents. My favorite place in the world to blank is blank. 
my favorite place to rest, restore, and just be ghetto and thug is at my mama's house. In the hood. <laughs> in the hood. Before I take my last breath, I have to blank. Act with Denzel. Yes. I know that's going to happen soon. I know uh, for sure that blank is blank. That God is alive. Love to me is blank. Vulnerability and honesty and ugly. The one word that best captures me at this moment is blank. Water. Being mm. fluid. You can't confirm me. You can't confirm me. I'm clear. You can see mm. through me. I'm nourishing, but also I'm a force. If you treat me wrong. Yes. <laughs> I love I, that. If you tinder, we tinder back. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for chilling with us, but also sharing your journey with um Thank navigating you. seasons you know i think there's so much in this particular conversation i could have had with you because i've seen you mm. in the seasons of before you were a household name to when you're a household name i've seen you from a distance and observed you in your work and i'm a fan but i'm a friend and i just more than anything have seen you being consistent at what you do you almost carry a sense of even though we don't see or touch base that much but when we do it doesn't feel foreign it always feels Yes. familiar it almost always feels present it's not like ah since nini you know there's no that and so i appreciate that yeah. about you and i wish you all the best in what you do thank you so much for being also who you are and not making me feel like i'm othered and always being that sense of familiarity and love and home thank, thank you, you thank you thank you have a fantastic one that's how we wrap it up with alto v's lawrence Thank you. That was a beautiful conversation with Alto. I hope that you may find that space in you to connect, to love, to cherish, but also most importantly, to accept yourself in different seasons. I like what she said. She said, if you don't like my head, unfortunately, this is the only head you're getting. So this is it. You better deal with it, <laughs> right? And I think a lot of us are walking around. Maybe you are feeling you are too dark. You've got a big nose. You've got skewed teeth. That's, what you, that's who you are. And if a person is going to love you, they better love you with all your brokenness, with all your scars, and with all the mess that is there. You're listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station. 